millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host, and this is my morning voice. It's like 8.30 in the morning, and this is still what it sounds like. You know, sometimes, because um, I really don't like the sound of my own voice, but I don't mind my morning voice, and <laughs> there are times when I'm like, I should take up smoking to get a more gravelly voice, uh, but I'm not going to because, you know, I don't want to die of cancer, and I almost certainly will just because of my occupation. So I'm not interested in adding more cancer on top of the cancer I'm already probably going to get. So anyway, on that cheery note, uh, last week I, I talked about uh, new show art and I talked up Allison's podcast art and I was like, we're going to have it on for the next couple of weeks. And then, <laughs> then I did something wrong and it's not displaying her art wasn't displaying on people's um podcast catchers, whatever they're called, uh, podcast players. So I think I, I've made some changes. Everybody should get the new art. So um, sorry about that. All right. On this week's episode, we have lots of news. Like as of yesterday, we had 21 articles that I had already written up and I even added a few more today. <laughs> so it, it's going to be a big, huge news day. And then we're going to listen to parts of the Fisker earnings call. Now, full disclosure, I own 10 shares of Fisker because they are really cheap. And I was like, eh, why not? So, you know, my my financial interest in Fisker is about $130, just so you know. But uh, I really like this company. I've said it before. I think they're a really cool company. So yesterday I had some time on my hands because there were folks here installing like insulation and sealing ductwork and doing some repairs on the house and uh, couldn't really record because they were making a lot of noise. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to that earnings call. But I had no intention of actually putting it into the show. And then just as I'm sitting down to eat breakfast and to listen to the earnings call, I get an email from Chip from Florida and Chip's like, hey, here's a really good article on some of the things that were talked about in the Fisker earnings call. 
And that set me over the top. I was like, okay, we're going to add the Fisker earnings call to this week's show. But I'm doing things a little different. Like Tesla gets a whole show dedicated to it. Companies like Lucid and Rivian and Fisker, they're just going to, you're just going to get little bits and pieces that I find to be interesting. And maybe that's what I should do with Tesla too. But I think the all, I think all of Tesla's earnings calls are interesting. Um, I think a little bit of Lucid and Rivian's calls are interesting because they really stay on message. I'm going to tell you, Fisker is like the closest thing to a Tesla earnings call that you're going to get outside of a Tesla earnings call in terms of like candor and transparency and then some entertainment too. Uh, they're allowed to actually have personalities and, and talk about things they're excited about on the earnings call, which is exciting for us as fans. So I want to thank Chip from, without knowing it, sending me a sign from above to actually cover this. And I, I'm really hoping you guys like it. So let's go ahead and jump into the news. DeLorean is teasing a new vehicle for 2022, which is this year. We have a 12 second teaser video, which I'll be honest, most of the car you can't really see. You can just see little highlights of the car. It looks like a Model X. <laughs> so uh, maybe next time, DeLorean, you, you add some more features so the vehicle doesn't look like a Tesla. But anyway, we don't know if this is an electric car or an ICE car. I'm going to assume it's an electric car simply because that's the way things are going. But I loved the DeLorean growing up. Of course, you know. Uh, Back to the Future was a huge part of my childhood. And then also a friend of mine, her, her mom, had a, a DeLorean in Alaska. And I felt so cool riding around that car when I was like 15 or 16 years old. Like just getting out of that thing, I felt like Marty McFly. Like I loved that car. And it, was, it wasn't even new at the time. I think DeLorean had already been out of business by the time I was 15 or 16. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. And then according to sources, Ford will launch at least five new Lincoln EV SUVs by 2026. So they're just going to convert some of their current SUVs, the Corsair, the Nautilus, the Aviator, and the Navigator. Another thing Ford is doing that's cool, um, also just kind of piling on what Tesla's already doing, is they're going to team with State Farm to offer a Tesla-like insurance program. And you know what? I'm kind of into that. Like my wife and I pay about $1,300 a year for car insurance for two vehicles. One's 10 years old and the other one's like five years old at this point. Um, They're both paid off and we still pay $1,200 a month or $1,200 a year. Sorry. Um, We don't really drive that far. Like I drive the furthest to go to work and I only go to work like once maybe one and a half times a week on average, just because the way my schedule works. And my wife works really close to where we live. So we're not really driving that much on occasion. We'll take a road trip, but beyond that, like our average outing to like Costco is like a five mile round trip from where I live. So uh, I don't know that I'm getting the most out of my insurance money. If we can come up with new and innovative ways to like bring that number down, that would make me very happy. Now, I know that there are insurance companies out there that want to put an app on your cell phone and and track how you drive. Here's the problem with that in terms, you know, for me is I drive a fire truck or I'm riding in a fire truck, depending on what position I'm in that day. But normally I drive. Um we don't drive fire trucks like you you would drive your car. Like there's a lot of, 
you know, hard stops. There's a lot of swerving. There's, there's a lot of speeding. Like if I actually installed one of these apps on my phone, after a while, I'm, I might be told, Hey, we're not going to insure you anymore, or I'm just going to pay an astronomical rate. Like normally I'm a very vanilla driver. So I'm open uh, to be tracked in my car. I'm just, I don't want to be tracked uh, everywhere else which is none of their business. Anyway, moving on. The Apple, Hyundai, and Kia car deal is off, according to sources, which is a real bummer because, honestly, I think Kia and Hyundai are knocking out of the park and doing some amazing things with EVs. And a partnership with, with Apple would be pretty amazing, I think. And it would allow us to get a fairly affordable car. Because I'll be honest, when I first heard that Apple was going to build an electric car or was rumored to build an electric car, I figured that was going to be at minimum a $60,000 car. And we don't, we don't need another $60,000 car. We need more cars in the, you know, between I'll say 25 and $35,000 range that are actually good and compelling vehicles. And we're going to talk about that later in the show when we talk about the Fisker earnings call. U.S. states have been given the green light to start building a nationwide charging network. So the goal set by the federal government is to have charging stations every 50 miles along interstate highways. Now, the budget for this is $5 billion over the next five years, which is pretty pretty decent chunk of change. Um, these aren't all going to be new chargers. Like, let's just say if there are already three charging stations spaced 50 miles apart, then they don't necessarily have to build new stations in that area. Some of those stations may require some upgrades and some of the money might go to that. But what this allows for is, you know, basically anxiety free driving coast to coast. Uh, it's it's designed to help you get over that range anxiety, which I think a lot of people at this point are kind of over, but there still might be some people out there who are nervous about it. This is all the part of the Build Back Better bill. Um, just kind of more locally here in Arizona, they're estimating that more than 55,000 new sustainable clean tech and EV jobs will be created just in the state of Arizona. Right before I started recording, I was reading through some news just to make sure I hadn't missed anything. And one of the headlines to one of the articles that I was looking at was like Georgia to get about 8,000 uh, uh, new jobs because of the Build Back Better bill or Build Back Better Act. I'm sure there are people out there that can argue that this isn't a, a good thing and we shouldn't be spending money on this kind of stuff. I I personally think it's a good thing as long as, you know, corporations aren't pocketing the money that you're paying for the charging station. So if you stop and you charge somewhere, uh, maybe a portion goes to a corporation, but a portion also goes back to the federal government to, to pay the federal government back for building out that infrastructure. Um, or it's free because we, but we, we paid for it with our tax dollars. I, I don't think we should be building charging stations and then allowing corporations to reap a hundred percent of those benefits. I don't know if you've noticed, but I am very opinionated today, <laughs> which I'm typically not. So if you don't like my opinions, sorry. Um, I woke up at four o'clock this morning and I'm feeling very froggy. Let's move on to Faraday Future. Faraday Future will partner with Myung Myung Shin. I hope I said that right. It's, it's a Korean name and I'm 
almost certainly butcher it. But anyway, they're going to partner with that company to manufacture the FF81 EV. If you're not familiar with Faraday Future, they were the other EV startup. Like when Tesla was building the Model S and just getting the Model S out the door, Faraday Future was just starting their company in 2014. Now, before I get a bunch of emails saying, well, actually, uh, the Model S came out in 2012, you know, you know, my nerdy voice isn't that different from my regular voice, but um, you're correct. It did come out in 2012, but they were building like 15 to you know 30 cars a week. Uh, they didn't really start mass produce, producing these vehicles. Like when I say mass producing, I'm saying a thousand cars a week until 2015. But back to Faraday Future. Um, when I first started this podcast, it was basically Tesla and Faraday Future News. A little bit later, there was some Lucid Motors news, but there wasn't a whole lot of EV news. Like it was hard to fill 20 minutes for this show. Um, everybody was coming out with a an electric vehicle in 2020. Obviously, that didn't work out. Uh, Faraday Future was no exception. Like they had lots of plans. They were going to build a big plant in Las Vegas and that kind of fell through. They were moving dirt around and everything. They had a big presentation at CES where they talked about all the the technology that went into their car. And I I believe there's probably a lot of technology into that car. And uh, the car was driving itself through a parking lot. And then it hit another vehicle during the presentation. These things happen. I'm just saying luck has not been on Faraday Futures side. They've been (laughs) They've almost got out of business so many times that I'm shocked that they're still in business. So they're going to start building this FF81 in South Korea. They're actually already currently scheduled to deliver the FF91 in the third quarter of 2022. So relatively soon. So given the brief and very incomplete history lesson I just gave you on this company, plus what you may or may not already know about this company, what do you think the price of the FF91 is going to cost? Well, it is going to start at somewhere around (laughs) $180,000. A company that has almost failed uh, every step of the way is going to charge around $180,000. And listen, I don't think failure is... I don't think failure makes you a failure. Like if you continue going as a company, I, I think that you learn from those things and, and failure, failing is good. But this company has not shown me over the years that it knows how to um, manage their business long term. There's been lots of drama around this company. And if you spend $180,000 and you expect to have support for this car in five years, um, you didn't do your homework. Now, I hope that Faraday Future succeeds because I do think having more options in the EV market is a great thing. I just, just be careful. If you have, if you have $180,000 laying around and you want to buy an EV, consider a Lucid Motors vehicle or anything else. Rivian is receiving some pushback on their second factory in Rutledge, Georgia, or their soon-to-be second factory in the town near Atlanta. It seems the biggest issue is that residents that live there are mostly, you know, retirees and it's a really quiet rural community and that's why they move there. They don't want the hustle and bustle of a factory town. 
And honestly, I can't blame them. If I, you know, finished my career and I retired somewhere that was most likely going to be my forever home or at least the rest of my life home, and I was looking for a certain relaxing kind of laid back lifestyle and then somebody put a factory in and that increased traffic and litter and potential for contamination to wetlands, historic sites, environmental damage. And then on top of that, this county where the factory is going to be built is only has a population of 20,000 people. So if Rufian uh, does end up building there, which it sounds like they probably will, uh, it's going to, they're going to hire over 7,500 employees. So that's quite an impact on the community there, uh, both a positive and a negative impact. And like I said, I can't really blame people for feeling this way. If somebody built a factory just by my house, I'd have some concerns for sure. So I think input from the citizens who live in that area is extremely important. And I'm sure once Rivian has heard their concerns, there'll be concessions on both sides and the factory will still be built. The Volkswagen ID4 is set to get a major over-the-air update with some added features this summer. So we know this because Herbert Dice took part in a Reddit Ask Me Anything. And one of the questions was, when were the updates coming for the 2021 ID4 in the United States? And he said this summer. So that's uh, good news for people who own ID4s in the United States. Some of the features will include plug-in charge, auto hold, and higher capacity onboard charging capabilities. He didn't go into any further details on this. So I, I'm guessing we'll find out as it gets closer to the summer time. But if you own an ID4, your car is going to get a whole lot better this summer, according to Herbert Dice. This next story might be the coolest uh, news story that we have this week. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, then why did you put it in this block and you didn't save it for the main story block? And the answer to that is I wasn't really thinking. But I do want to thank Steve for recommending this story. Candela is a Swedish company that manufactures boats. This week, Candela showed off their new hydrofoil Candela C8 flying electric boat. So if you don't know what a hydrofoil is, a hydrofoil as a concept has been around for more than 100 years. And actually, Alexander Graham Bell actually holds a patent on this. He wasn't the first to um, come up with the concept, but he does hold a patent, which I thought was interesting. Hydrofoils are attached to the bottom side of the boat and they're submerged underneath the water. So they're attached to the hull and they act kind of like wings. So in the same way that air moves around an airplane's wing to create lift, this same principle happens in water. So this is really cool. And how it works is as the speed of the boat increases, the hull actually lifts out of the water and the boat is now riding on those hydrofoils or those wings that are underneath the boat. It's pretty cool. And what the hydrofoil does is it allows the boat to move through the water with less friction. And because of that, it can actually move at greater speeds with less energy. This is because the bow and the body of the boat, they don't have to push all that water around the boat. So there's less of a footprint in the water. It, it makes it very efficient. And it actually makes the ride of the boat much smoother. It's so smooth that there are people who would normally get seasick, like on a normal boat, um, have reported that they don't get seasick on the hydrofoil because it's more of a 
uh, consistent and smoother ride. It minimizes that rolling up and down side to side motion. So that's, that's cool. The problem is, is once you're out in the water and if it get if the water gets choppy, uh, it's likely that the hydrofoil is going to disengage and you're just going to have to ride on the water like normal for safety reasons. Obviously, you don't want to be out there um, high above the water in, in 10 foot seas. That doesn't work out. But this whole concept of the hydrofoil is perfect for electric boats. The Candela C8 can travel over 50 nautical miles on a 44 kilowatt hour battery which is about two times further than conventional electric speedboats with 300% bigger batteries. So that's pretty significant. The C8 will also feature an autopilot feature um, or autopilot-like feature. Over-the-air updates, it's got a marine bathroom and shower. And if you're not familiar with a marine uh, toilet, th- those are very interesting. It's got a large sunbed. The cabin is big enough to sleep two adults and two children. And judging from the videos, this it, it would be a very tight fit in the cabin. It's not very big down there. Uh, the conventional marine motor requires maintenance every 100 hours. The CPOD electric motor that the Candela uses requires maintenance after 4,000 hours. So pretty significant. So at this point, I'm going to ask you, what would you pay for this amazing product? Would you pay $90,000? Nah, you're not going to pay $90,000. Would you pay $70,000? Would you? Well, I have a surprise for you. This super cool electric boat will only set you back $329,000 US dollars or 290,000 euros. So it's a steal at twice the price. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to our Tesla news. Tesla is reportedly looking for a location for their second factory in China. One potential location is the district of Xinyang. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Since this is hearsay and rumor, um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this other than to say it makes sense that Tesla is looking for a new factory. Um, Giga Shanghai is, is going like gangbusters in January. This January 2022, the Model Y outsold the Model 3 by 5 to 1 in China, which is pretty awesome. And then, of course, you know, Tesla is also looking for additional factory locations in Europe. So um, I think Elon said this year they're going to be making some announcements. So we're going to see more stories like this as the year goes on. And Model Y, since we're on the subject, Model Y deliveries have officially begun in the UK. And there's going to be a really big mass handover event on February 19th, 2022 in Port Southampton. So uh, pretty cool. The Model Ys being sold in the UK are, are pretty much the same as the Model Ys being sold here in the United States. The long range gets you 331 miles or 532 kilometers, 0 to 62 in 4.8 seconds or, you know, zero to a hundred kilometers in 4.8 seconds. Uh, top speed is 135 miles an hour or 217 kilometers an hour. And then the starting price is 54,990 pounds. The performance gets you 319 mile range, 513 kilometers, zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds. Uh, 155 miles per hour is the top speed or 241 kilometers per hour. And that price will start at 64,990 pounds. 
All right, we're going to round out our Model Y news coming back here to the United States. There are lots of new Model Ys being prepped for delivery outside of Giga Texas. So uh, that's exciting. Uh, if, if I was to buy a Tesla, I would really want it to come from Giga Texas right now. I just want that structural battery pack and the 4680 battery cells. I don't have, there's, I don't have a good reason for it other than FOMO. Uh, let's see here. Tesla has signed a five-year deal with Australia's Liontown Resources for Lithium. Or it's like a provisional deal. I'll get to that later. Tesla will begin taking delivery of the lithium in 2024. In the first year of the deal, Tesla will purchase 100,000 dry metric tons of lithium. That's just in the first year. And then they'll settle into like a more reasonable 150,000 dry metric tons of lithium a year for the rest of the contract. Now, like I said before, this is kind of like a provisional deal because the deal has not been finalized. And if for some reason Tesla and Liontown Resources can't, you know, finish negotiations by may 30th 2020 the the deal is off completely which is uh, a weird news story because it's it's like the the news story said they signed this deal and then when you read further into it it's like well they really didn't because there's some other provisional things that are going on but i i have faith that this deal is going to go through elon shed some light on the refreshed model x delays Whole Mars Catalog on Twitter and Sawyer Merritt, also on Twitter, voiced their concerns that the Model X delays have been pretty bad. And Elon admitted that Tesla has dropped the ball badly in terms of the Model X production ramp and is still trying to recover. Elon actually went on to say that Tesla shouldn't have stopped production on the Model X in December of 2020 ahead of this refresh because that just put them further behind. And I would argue that you should give people the option because some people might not care that they're not getting the refreshed Model X. They just want their car. And some people would be more than happy to wait for a little bit and get that refreshed Model X. But anyway, it doesn't really matter because they didn't do that. We don't know when Tesla will finally overcome these challenges, but according to Stephen Loveday at Inside EVs, if you order a Model X today, you're looking at delivery sometime in January 2023 or March 2023, depending on how you configure it. But if you don't want to wait and you want a Model X much sooner than that, then consider spending somewhere around $126,000 starting price on a Model X Plaid, and you could have your vehicle sometime in October of 2022. We haven't had a Tesla and in India story in a while, so let's go ahead and jump into one. Tesla would like a, redu a reduction in import taxes in India, and India would like Tesla to commit to purchasing $500 million worth of auto components manufactured in India. So according to Simon Alvarez of Teslarati, Tesla has already sourced $100 million worth of components from India, which is a pretty significant amount. I don't know how many auto parts are produced in India that Tesla could actually use. It might be a lot of them. So the $500 million mark might be a really small number and easy to achieve, or it could be nearly impossible depending on the amount of auto parts that would actually go into a Tesla that could be manufactured in India. I don't have any concept of, of whether that's a big or a small number. 
But what I am sure of is that Indy and Tesla clearly want to have some type of relationship, and I'm sure this will get worked out one way or the other. I don't know if you remember this, but a few months ago, I talked about how Tesla was starting a pilot program in the Netherlands um, in terms of opening up Tesla superchargers to other EVs. At that time, there were only a few superchargers in the pilot program uh, for other EV owners to charge their vehicles. Now, all superchargers in the Netherlands are open up to all EV owners, which is pretty cool. There's also other pro- pilot programs going on in France, Norway, Germany, and Belgium. Uh, I don't think all of the superchargers in those countries are open to other EV owners, but still, it, it's a start. And it's only a matter of time before all Tesla superchargers are open to all EV owners, which I think is a great thing. And you just need the Tesla app to, to use it. You don't need anything special. Um, right now, Tesla has about 30,000 charging points worldwide. So this is great. I think this is fantastic. Have you noticed that there have been an awful lot of recalls for Tesla lately? Um, there's a lot of news <laughs> around these recalls. And I'm just going to say at this point, um, if a recall can be fixed by a software update, I'm not going to cover it anymore unless it's a serious safety issue. So if the recall is uh, hardware related or an actual physical part needs to be replaced, uh, absolutely, we're gonna talk about that. But I'm, I'm done talking about just regular software updates to fix certain problems that the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration has a problem with, which I'm, I'm fine with them saying that you need to fix this. It's just not really newsworthy when Tesla can just push a software update and it's fixed. I mean, it's, it's, it's clickbaity for sure, because there are plenty of outlets out there that are like, Tesla recalls 800,000 vehicles. Well, they didn't. They just did an update and everything's good. So no more recall news unless it's a safety issue or they're actually replacing some sort of actual physical part. The new update to Tesla's app has some hidden gems, according to some data miners, They found hints of cheaper annual subscriptions for full self-driving and premium content. Now, these aren't official announcements. Some nerdy folks dug through the code, and this is what they found. A monthly and annual plan for full self-driving and premium connect, which uh, gets you like the traffic and stuff like that for your car and uh, the ability to listen to uh, internet radio and stuff like that. And there are some hints in that code that if you pay by the year, that your subscription might be a little bit cheaper. We don't know how much cheaper, but it makes sense that if you pay for something up front, you get a little break. Um, Some other cool features are actionable items. So you don't have to be in the app uh, for some of these items to work. So if you receive a notification that your car has reached its desired cabin temperature, for instance, then you can turn the climate controls off without having to go into the app. It just comes up as a a notification on your phone, whether that's Android or iPhone. And then if your car starts charging and you don't want it to charge during that time, you'll get a notification. Hey, the car has started charging. You can say, well, no, I don't want it to charge. You can turn that off. And then if you are a Tesla insurance customer, one other cool thing is that you could submit a claim through the app. So I don't know. I don't have a Tesla. I don't have the Tesla app. I don't know if any of these things are currently live 
or if they're all hidden secret stuff and we'll, we'll show themselves later, but there you go. Elon donated over 5 million shares to charity. So that's about $4.42 billion in stock us pretty significant. And there's a lot of chatter on Twitter that Elon donated all this money to end world hunger. Well, the fact is, is we don't know what charities or charity Elon donated this money to or the shares to. Elon did say that he would sell Tesla shares if the United Nations World Food Program could describe to him or demonstrate to him how $6 billion could solve world hunger. So we have no idea (laughs) who he gave the money to. Um, There's lots of people online that are saying that he, he donated this money to one charity We have no idea, but I still think it's pretty cool that he donated, you know, four and a half billion dollars in stock um, to charity and whatever charity he he gave that money to. Hopefully the vast majority of that money actually goes back into the world and does some good. All right. Before we get to the Fisker earnings call, I just want to remind everybody that you can support the show on patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com. And for $1, you get rid of all of the ads. So just a quick reminder, do with it what you will. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, let's talk about Fisker. Before we get into the earnings call, we do need to talk about the Fisker pair. I also need to get to where my notes are. Okay. (laughs) The Fisker pair was announced this week. It stands for Personal Electric Automotive Revolution. See what they did there with the pair? It's a five-passenger vehicle that starts at $29,000 before incentives. An agile urban EV with cutting-edge technologies. So... (laughs) This is what they had to say. 
Our customer wants to take a step into the future with us. We are opening up reservations for the Pair following continued demand. Pair will feature the very latest technology in a beautifully designed, affordable, urban mobility device. It's an exciting vehicle and an exciting time for the company as we expand our lineup. According to Fisker, there will be a ton of industry firsts. However, we have no idea what those industry firsts consist of because they didn't tell us. We do know that production will begin in 2024, and that's about it. Um, Hopefully, we'll find out more about the pair in 2023. Uh, Fisker will talk about this in their earnings call, but they say they want to keep uh, that information quiet because there are so many groundbreaking technologies in this car. They don't want to give their um, competitors a an advantage. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't think... That, it's fine. It's kind of funny, but whatever, whatever, whatever. Moving on. <laughs> uh, that that's just silly. Why even announce the car uh, if if that's the case? But you can make a reservation for two hundred and fifty dollars. But if you want to purchase two pairs, that'll just cost you three hundred and fifty dollars. So pretty good deal. Um, there are some things you should know before uh, we jump into the earnings call. First, Fisker is working with Magna International to produce the Ocean SUV. So you'll hear Heinrich Fisker mention that he's going flying over. I think that's Austria is where he's going to uh, fly over and, and uh, visit the ocean. And the pair will be manufactured by Foxconn here in the United States. I was under the impression that the ocean would also be built by Foxconn, but I was wrong. So let's go ahead and jump into Heinrich Fisker's opening remarks. Thank you, everyone, for uh, listening in. Uh, I think we've got a really exciting uh, earnings call. I'm super excited about it. Uh, This year has just been taking off extremely fast. Uh, We are still on target uh, with our SOP date of November 17th this year. Uh, That hasn't changed. In fact, uh, I'm really excited about flying over next week to uh, actually get into an ocean and see it come off the prototype line. Uh, I've already had uh, a look at some of the first parts that came in. Uh, They look extremely high quality for being this early in the phase. Uh, And we, of course, have people on the ground over there inspecting all the parts, et cetera, and working really closely with Magna. And I, I have a lot of faith in Magna, I have to say, Uh, We are working closely together. The quality of work they've shown so far has been amazing. Uh, And I think we're both in for an amazing high-quality launch in November this year. And, of course, uh, the acceleration of of, uh, reservations has also really taken off this year. Uh, It's actually been a 400% increase per day versus uh, 2021. Uh, So I'll talk a little bit more about that as well. I think one of the reasons that our fiscal erosion have increased in, uh, in reservations this year is because, of course, we showed the vehicle last year, but this year it's clear for people this vehicle is actually coming out this year. And when you compare the fiscal erosion to any announced EV coming out this year, it's clear that we are the leader in so many areas in our price class. For example, there is no really cool looking SUV under $40,000. Let's just make that clear. Secondly, uh, when you look at a $50,000 or even a $68,000 SUV, there is nobody that even comes close to us when it comes to range. The Ultra, which starts at 49,900, comes out at 340 mile range, which is clearly leading of any SUV 
or crossover in the entire world. And the same with our Fisker Ocean Extreme, which comes out of 350 mile range plus. Now, that's not the only thing that differentiates the Fisker Ocean Extreme and the Ultra. The Extreme are seeing the, the highest reservation interest, probably because that we have so many industry leading features, in fact, features that no matter what you would pay, nobody even offer. Even if you go out and try and buy a $400,000 Rolls Royce, you will not have California mode. You will not have, you know, solar roof. You will not have a lot of the things we have in the Fisker Ocean. One of the things that I'm super excited about that normally belongs to supercars is our torque vectoring system in the powertrain. I personally drove it on the test track. It just makes you feel like a race car driver. And I think once we get uh, journalists and customers out and experiencing this sometime later this summer, I think we're going to see another amazing uptake in reservation because that is just in its class of its own. So with all these extra things in this vehicle, I think we, we just uh, offer that cannot be, uh, you know, compared. And I want to add sort of the last thing, which for me sort of was a natural when I picked up my iPhone and turned it around to watch a movie. I said to our engineers, why can't we just do that in the car? They were grumbling a bit, but finally they said, let's do it. And I have to say, our engineering team did it. We have a, you know, world's first 17.1 inch rotating screen in the extreme standard, just a push of a button. It rotates. You can sit and watch movies. And it's, by the way, also, I believe, going to be the highest resolution screen in the world, which, again, is something that sets the ocean apart. Now, we think that, uh, you know, what we can see, we have done, of course, our internal data uh, on our buyers because we are able, because we interact directly with our customers, we're able to go out and actually do regular surveys to our uh, existing reservation holders. And what we have seen is that they really appreciate uh, some of the features we have in the vehicle, but overall uh, design is number one. And that's something, again, that sets us apart. And of course, it was, if it was easy to design a cool car, I assume that most uh, giant automakers would never have a flop, but they obviously do once in a while, so it's not that easy. So that's something I think we're number one in the world and we're gonna remain that. And then number two is our commitment uh, to uh, ESG and just creating the world's most environmental friendly vehicles. And you know, the sustainability aspect of our vehicles go beyond the electrification as the vegan interiors, the recycled materials, as the solar roof. You know, all these things are things that people care about. If they have a choice and can get a sexy sustainable vehicle versus an unsexy sustainable vehicle or a sexy non-sustainable vehicle, why not get both best of both worlds? And I think that's what we are seeing in our uptake in the reservations. And I also want to say finally, you know, we are seeing a saturation in the luxury EV market. And I think we have to recognize we were the first ones to think seriously about getting in to creating affordable EVs. And, and I think that's really something that is now showing its, its fruits by the reservation uh, that we have created. And of course, uh, you know, with the uh, pair that we just decided uh, to, to go out and open up reservations for, one of the reasons is that we had quite a lot of private uh, people that had asked if they could put reservations last year for the pair. Uh, we were really hesitant to do it that early. Uh, we kept on getting some pressure there. And then finally, <clears throat> when we now lately have been in discussions with some global rental car companies that were interested in larger volumes of both the Fisker Ocean and the Fisker Pair, 
I personally thought it would be fair to offer reservations for the private people who already asked for it last year, because obviously once we make a, uh, a deal with a large rental car company, they'll scoop up a large amount of these vehicles, which will mean it'll be more difficult to get your hands on one of the first ones. So that's really why we opened up the reservations. And I also want to say that the pair program, we actually just here last week uh, passed one of our first engineering milestones on the prayer program so it's actually quite on this way exterior design is pretty much frozen now why wouldn't we just go out and show this vehicle why not just show it and get a lot more excitement around the pair well you know the pair looks nothing like the ocean in fact it looks nothing like any other vehicle in the world and i even hesitate to call the car i call it a mobility device and the reason is that this vehicle is so different in how it looks, how it's going to function, uh, some of the features, some of the way you store things in this vehicle has never been seen before. And that's not something we want to give away to the competition anytime soon, quite frankly. But I also want to highlight another thing that is the essence of Fisker and what we're doing with technology. So one of the things that's very important for Fisker and where I think we're taking the first radical uh, step in the world of any automaker is, as we always said, we're a digital car company. So our plans in the future is have an overwhelming amount of over-the-air uh, digital features and updates rather than a whole bunch of hardware options. And what that allows us is to create a reoccurring revenue over the lifetime of these vehicles. And of course, it opens up totally new uh, revenue streams, not only for us, but also, for example, for a global rental car partner, where you don't anymore have to, for example, you remember clearly when you, a few years ago, had to order a navigation system and you actually had to take them a little back and carry it out in the car and put it in there. Uh, you know, with our vehicle, we're gonna offer probably dozens of over-the-air upgrades that you can do in your rental car and that we and our rental car partner can make money on, and you only really need to order it if you need it, and you can actually order that probably any time during the time you use the car. And that, of course, also goes through into our flexible lease, where we will own this vehicle for 12 years, and imagine the reoccurring revenue you have over 12 years on a vehicle that has been paid off after probably about four years. Um, that, of course, is a long-term vision, but I think it's important to have it in there because we are here to redefine the car industry as we know it. Now, coming back to uh, the ocean here for a moment to talk a little bit uh, about the uh, revenue and the mix of buyers. So about 80% of the ocean reservation holders are planning to buy one of the two top trims. And how do we know that? Again, we went out and we did our own survey with our reservation holders. That's one of the advantages about being direct to customers. We can do these surveys and get feedback within 24 hours. So 80% intent to buy one of the two top trims, which gives us an average uh, selling price of about $56,000 for the ocean, which of course then will give us an average uh, revenue of about already a potential revenue at this point in time with, by the way, we just passed 31,000 orders. I think we announced 30,000 an hour ago, but we actually passed 31,000 orders. So they just keep coming in faster. And with that, we have just passed a potential revenue of $1.7 billion, which I think is amazing. Um, now, we see it again, as I mentioned earlier, with the pair, reservations are coming in fast. I think it shows uh, the outstanding 
product features and expectation there is to Fisker and the brand that we will deliver something super exciting. Now, finally, uh, I just want to talk a little bit uh, about uh, the, uh, the future product uh, that we are planning. I want to say that, um, you know, why uh, somebody is asking, you know, why are you starting the second car when you haven't even started delivering the first one? Well, here's why. The real market of EVs, and I'm not talking about the EV luxury market, which is already starting to be saturated. But if you think about the rest of the car market under $50,000, that is so thinly occupied. I mean, if you look at gasoline cars, you have at least a dozen, in many segments, two or three dozen alternatives in every single gasoline segment. Today, there are segments in the EVs that are completely unoccupied. You can't even find a car. I challenge you to go and find a real sexy SUV, and I didn't say a hatchback or crossover, but SUV for under 40000 I'm challenging you to find a sexy, high-tech electric vehicle under 30000 Just anyone. Now, with that in mind, think about what's going to happen in the next two years. All this market share is going to be up for grabs. And if we are having a vehicle among the very few, we will have the ability to take a much larger market share than we normally would have if you would have 50 competitors. And we don't. All these competitors that everybody's talking about is coming out with 60, 70, $80,000 plot cars. We are coming out with vehicles and segments that nobody's even in and nobody's even announced in the next two years. And let's face it, even if you announce a car today, it won't come out before 2025. The pair, because we announced it yesterday, doesn't mean we started yesterday. We started it a year ago. So we are already well ahead of the curve. We are well ahead of anybody that we are seeing as real competitors, in my view. And that's really what the advantage with Fisker is. And that's why we are starting not one product, not two products, not three, but four products. So we are sure that we have four segment-leading products in production before 2025 because we want to go out and take a large slice of this pie. All these different segments that we're going into, we're going to have the best vehicle, and that's why we're going to be able to accelerate in our orders. We're not here to say, hey, let's make one car, and then three years later, let's start another car. That's not how these times work. The whole world's moving way too fast. The good news is, Fisker, we are moving the fastest, and we already took these decisions two, three years ago. Okay, first up, clearly I wasn't paying attention when they said that they're opening up the air reservations, or excuse me, the pair reservations, because uh, they were also opening up to like fleets and rental car companies, and they wanted normal people to be able to get an early version of this vehicle. So um, ignore what I said before. Uh the ocean, the Fisker Ocean, is on track to launch November 2022. That's awesome. I'm sure it's only going to be a few, but you know, if they're able to get some cars out the door, that'll be great. Um, they're working through chip shortages. I actually took this clip. This clip was over 20 minutes long. I actually sh uh, shortened it quite a bit to about 12 minutes long. So um, some of the things I'm going to go over are just some of the things that I did not, uh, that I edited out. So they're working through this chip shortage with their suppliers. They think they're going to be okay. Who knows when it really comes down to it. 
Um, I do think the Fisker Ocean is going to be a great car. Let's see what happens in November. One of the things is they talk a lot about the industry leading features and, you know, how great this car is going to be and how forward tech forward they are. Well, until they actually start producing these things at scale and they see what works and what doesn't work on, on like a mass scale, let, let's see. There might be a little bit of hubris in there, like Elon with the Model X. One of the things I thought was really cool is you push a button and the middle screen rotates. That's pretty awesome. And they're making lots of promises. One of the other things they cut out was their warranty. So the warranty is six years, 60,000 miles on the powertrain and 10 years, 100,000 miles on the battery. So that's a pretty good warranty. Um, they did, <laughs> I don't remember if this was in there or not, but they did claim that they were number one in the world on design. And honestly, that is a very bold claim. Um, you know, Fisker, Heinrich Fisker's had a couple of vehicle companies that have been named uh, various uh, after his last name. They've been named Fisker something or another over the last couple of years or a dozen years or so. Um, bold claim on the design. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, a pretty cool car, but uh, he makes lots of bold claims, I should say. Lots of big claims, um, especially about how well they're running the company. These are some of the other things, like I said, I left out. Uh, one of the things I really liked, though, was he put an emphasis on affordable cars. Um, and that is important to me. And I've said it over and over and over again on this podcast. Like, I'm not going to be super impressed with the car company until they can release a car that's sub $30,000. And that's just what the pair is. We'll see if it actually comes in at that price, but still pretty cool. One of the things he talked about was selling options through over-the-air updates, um, so I'm guessing this is like if you wanted heated seats in the back, well, the hardware is already there. You just go into the app or into the interface in the car and you say, I'm going to spend $200 and now I have heated seats in the back, whatever. Um, I do think that that's pretty cool. Um, some of these options won't be available at first, it sounds like, but over time, as they make some of these things available, as they develop the software, then that will be available to you, the, the Fisker Ocean or Pair owner, which I think is cool. Another interesting thing is the flexible lease. I think is interesting. I think we've talked about that, but basically Fisker owns the car and leases it out to people over 12 years. Honestly, I don't know if this will work out for them, but I can see a world where people are actually able to, you know, afford an electric car because it, maybe it's eight years old and Fisker releases it to them at a really reasonable rate. Um, let's see. They're going to reach out to reservation holders in October uh, to kind of sure up their order. So that's good. And uh, I really like how the Fisker team is customer focused. And again, I'm a big fan of their focus of the automobile market or the EV market that's sub $40,000 and really sub $30,000, but sub $40,000, I think this is really smart. There are a lot of people clamoring to buy an EV, but they can't afford one. I was talking to my little brother who is 18 and in college right now, and uh, we were talking about electric vehicles and, you know, um, at this stage in his life, he can't afford a fifty dollars $60,000 electric vehicle, but he would like to someday buy an electric vehicle. So um, I like where Fisker's going on this. Now, our next presenter, I can't remember, I can't for the life of me remember his name, and I didn't write it down, but he's just going to go into some of the technologies that Fisker has created for their vehicles. 
I should say technologies and processes. Uh, let me start with FiscalOcean. As Henrik said, the prototype test and validation program is fully on track. The prototype program has many phases and purposes. Of course, it's uh, to ensure all the components are seamlessly integrated and that all our virtual modeling of performance uh, is coming through in the physical world. But it also has the critical function of keeping very tight coordination with the supply chain, ensuring that the entire vehicle is ready for launch and that takes on added importance uh, during a time of fragile supply chains. We are able to continuously monitor potential shortages of components and when there are early warning signs, rapidly innovate solutions to de-risk and particular components, any particular component. Here are some quick updates on the prototype process since last quarter. Testing of a prior prototype, a prototype stage is ongoing. So we are in the midst of a vehicle dynamics calibration and tuning in Italy. We've also begun cold weather testing in Sweden, where we can test our powertrain and chassis systems in extreme cold temperatures, as well as a variety of snow, ice, and wet road conditions. The complete vehicle prototype shop at the assembly facility in Austria is fully operational, and the first complete prototypes uh, vehicles are coming off the line. And these vehicles will soon start testing all vehicle attributes, such as safety, crash test, ADAS, climate comfort, powertrain system performance, the chassis, vehicle dynamics, electrical integration, and complete vehicle durability and more. This prototype operation will soon have the capacity to produce up to two cars per day on track with what we said on the Q3 call. Overall, the process progress has been very pos positive. Our confidence in the quality and on-time launch is very high and, as Henrik mentioned, has given us the confidence to launch FiscaOcean with an industry-leading warranty. I also wish to say a few words on some of the technical aspects of FiscaPair. Fisca's development and recruiting activities so far have led to significant growth in our in-house design and development competence on the entire hardware and software stack both in the US and India. This will be augmented by a powertrain development and technical center of excellence we are implementing here in Southern California that will focus on all powertrains aspects, both hardware and software, as well as general vehicle benchmarking and root cause analysis. On pair specifically, this development of competences and supply chain partnerships, leveraging advanced silicon and software solution is enabling a next generation electrical architecture for Fisca pair. With the dozens of ECUs in a traditional vehicle consolidated down to a few central computer units, this planned architecture will support a best-in-class connected high-performance compute aid system with embedded and cloud-supported machine learning and AI technologies. Fisker's software-driven ADAS architecture will enable a further leap in safety features and will support level three advanced driver assist functions. Inside the cabin, the cockpit computer will drive the highest resolution displays with cutting edge graphic processors. The consolidation of ECUs and addition of smart zonal gateway compute adds tremendous capability, but also lowers mass, 
reduces complexity of the wiring harness and lowers the overall bill of material cost. In addition, Fisca will continue to build on our existing over-the-air update, updatable platform supported by 5G and Wi-Fi 6, including, as Henrik had stated, digital lifecycle management with highest level of security, always updated with the newest software and technology improvements. We call it seamless compute from cloud to edge. The car becomes smarter and even safer over its lifetime. All right. I really have nothing to add to this. There's lots of promises and let's just see if it makes it to the final product. Now we're going to get into the investor and analyst questions. So let's go ahead and start. Our first question is from Dan Levy of Credit Suisse. Hi. Hi, good evening. Uh, thank you for taking the questions. Um, wanted to start with, uh, you know, I, I see your, your press release. You have guidance on uh, on the spend, but maybe you could just comment here. I don't see anything. Uh, you're giving operating expense. You haven't guided to the, the, the total EBIT amount given, um, you know, just factoring in revenue. So what is a reasonable expectation for in 2022, um, you know, the number of deliveries that you'll have by the end of the year, you know, given start uh, launch of production mid, mid-November and just what that equates to or what you expect in, in revenue on that. Hey, Dan, I'm not dumb enough to make that forecast. But hey, Dan, joking aside, um, just for the modeling purposes, um, I wouldn't want to give this because it's not a material amount. Uh, we start SOP on 17 November, and bear in mind, December is holiday in the factory. Uh, I do think that the time to the vehicles being uh, shipped out of the factory and in the hands of customers, there's always a lag. So for modeling purposes, I would not put too much onus on any meaningful deliveries or revenues at the end of this year. I think what's critical is that we will reach SOP and we will have the capability to have a full year of production and a very seamless ramp up next year. And that's what we are fundamentally fundamentally focused on. Now, I, I apologize. I didn't write any of these folks' names down and I really should have. <laughs> but when, when she said, hey, Dan, I'm not dumb enough to make that forecast, I instantly fell in love with this lady and I want to be her friend. Uh, that, that made me laugh out loud and it brought me so much joy. Um, and, and, you know, it, it makes sense. They're not going to deliver a lot of oceans in 2022. If they can even reach their delivery date on time, that's a success, I think. All right. Um, I should say that I didn't put every question that was in the earnings call. Uh, I didn't, I didn't pull every clip because some of them just weren't very interesting. I only tried to pull the ones that were the most interesting. And I'll be honest, hey, Dan, I'm not dumb enough to make that forecast is the best answer, hands down. So now, now that you know the rest of the, uh, the rest of the earnings call isn't as good as that one answer, let's move on to our next question. And by the way, that lady's name is Gita, just so you know. Great, great. Thank you, Gita. And then um, just the second question is just between now and, and the start of production. Is there a view on just what the largest pain point is that needs to be addressed? Or if there's any, you know, one risk that needs to be monitored more than anything else, just to ensure you have SOP? What's the one variable 
that needs to be monitored to make sure that you're on time by mid-November, if there is one. Hi, Dan. Uh, you know, as you know, we're, we are in this sort of little uncertainty in the world around supply chain and chips, as I mentioned already. Uh, we are monitoring that weekly uh, between all our suppliers. You know, Magna has been amazing here as well because, of course, it's not just Magna Steyr we're working with. We're also working with many other Magna companies. So as a group, this is a you know gigantic corporation, and they, of course, also have a certain amount of purchasing power around the world. Um, so I think so far we have managed that really well. Uh, and the good news is that, you know, it's not like we're launch If you we were launching next week, I might have been a little nervous, but in November... We, you know, we have been ahead of the curve and we have already laid out our expectations to our suppliers. Um, so, so far, I, I think actually that's, that's going really well. Secondly, uh, you know, I was, of course, always a little complaining to Magna, why can't we do earlier this or earlier that? But, you know, now that I look at it, it's quite good to see the conservativeness of Magna starting, you know, uh, prototyping uh, and, and, you know, I'm flying over, as I said, next year. Uh, sorry, next week <laughs> to uh, to see the uh, uh, one of the prototypes uh, on the line, and you will be making hundreds of prototypes before even SOP, uh, and that's very unusual for a startup. So again, we are taking that risk out. Uh, I'm not saying SOP is when we built the first handful of cars. So I, I think that overall, um, we are really just monitoring and staying on top of things, and I think that's the key. There's no magic here other than a lot of hard work for a lot of talented people with incredible suppliers. And and that's really what we are focused on. I really like that answer. Um, and it's really smart for them to leverage Magna's purchasing power. And I have to say that I really love that they're producing hundreds of prototypes, even if it's only 101 prototypes. That's pretty cool because that shows me that they're going to, you know, they're going to find some problems early on and hopefully they can fix those problems before it gets to, you know, actual production date for, for the real vehicles. So that's pretty cool. If you remember with uh, Tesla, with the model three, they didn't do that. And um, that plus a bunch of other reasons caused what Elon called production hell. So our next clip is going to be from retail investors from say.com or through say.com. And there, there's a bunch of questions that they're, they're going to rattle off here and then answer. So let's go ahead and listen to that. Uh, first one is, when can we expect to see the Fisker Experience Centers begin to open to the public? When will advertising start? How is Fisker planning to deliver vehicles and service them? Hey, Dan, I'll take that question. So advertising can mean a lot of things. And if uh, it, the, the person who's asked the question it means broadcast commercial, meaning commercials on television. It's unlikely we would ever pursue something like that until we are way down the road because these are expensive. These are very high-dollar items, and I think Super Bowl alone is about $20 million. After all, we are sold out well into 2023. Uh, the marketing that we've been doing so far is very cost-efficient, and it's intended to provide awareness for the brand and the ocean product and it includes a direct engagement with our customers. Now, pursuing that and unveiling all the details of Fisker Ocean in November has led to a major increase in demand and brand awareness, as you can see in our reservation numbers. On the experience side, 
We do expect to have two flagship experience centers, one here in LA and one in Munich this summer and with more to come. We are developing plans in-house for very cost-effective customer-centric concepts that take care of test drives, experiences, and vehicle deliveries, which are now in process. Thanks, Gita. Um, second question, what, what's Magna's maximum annual capacity for ocean? How fast can they scale if Cisco Ocean sales ramp up much faster than you projected? So, you know, with Magna, we, we laid out, I think, a very conservative plan or originally about 5,000 per month. Uh, however, of course, uh, Magna is a experienced contract manufacturer, and we are going into, I believe, the biggest haul that they have in the plant, uh, super modern, modern equipment, and it would allow us to next year uh, easily get over 7,500 units per month uh, in the second half uh, if we have the demand. It looks like we do have the demand, so I think that will happen. Uh, in 2024, uh, I think it's open to well over 10,000. It's going to, uh, you know, really come down to uh, if you want to invest a little bit extra to really uh, uh, get the demand uh, or sort of the monthly rate way over 10,000. But I don't, I think with Magna, you know, the good news is that they have uh, such a, a smooth running facility, it's gigantic that I think, uh, I wouldn't say anything is possible. We probably couldn't make a million vehicles there, but we can make a lot of vehicles. Uh, they have extra land. They have a lot of capabilities to expand. So I, don't, I, I think we'll be fine with Magna uh, uh, in terms of being able to expand if demand is there. I have absolutely nothing to add to that. So let's move on to our analyst question. Our next question is from Adam Jonas of Morgan Stanley. Great. Uh, just two questions. Um, how do you plan on funding the pair? Um, because, I mean, it, you, you pulled forward or kind of versus expectations, you know, opened up um, a reservation book earlier. You're providing a lot more details earlier, even if we can't see it. Uh, I think anyone on the call here would expect that the ocean won't fund the pair uh, over the next 12 months or so at least. So, and you're guiding to 800 million of cash usage. So folks are wondering, you know, does does the pull forward of reservation opening also be paired, pardon the pun, with a, a pull forward of capital needs? And my follow-up question is, when is the Austria test drive event? Um, I'll take the first one. Um, Adam and, and uh, maybe Hendrika Bukhart can take the second question. So to answer your first question, Adam, um, the guidance that we're giving, it uh, includes a full ocean delivery start of production in November, and it also takes into account other projects, which obviously critically is pair and all the other items we mentioned throughout the year. Um, there are certain overlaps between the two programs. Of course, our internal headcount, it will go from 400 to 800. We are doing some cost uh, management strategies by having headcount in India and other low-cost jurisdictions. We're also looking at uh, significant carryover content where we have either invested in EDND or EDND in tools. So that's the exercise that we've just completed and we continue to complete. So with the guidance we've given, we do project that for this year, we will be able to get PAIR to a very good place. Now, we're very glad that we did the convert deal in August and we effectively raised capital at nearly $20 a share. 
and we did the cap call at $32. Now, we knew it was the right thing to do to fully de-risk our spending needs in 2022, even though, though we do believe our valuation will be much higher in the longer term. Now, you're absolutely right. You can never have too much capital in this business. And we are talking to banks about working capital, asset-backed lending, when it comes to working capital needs for Ocean and beyond. Now, I don't expect that we would use revenues from any of our programs to only fund. We will have to look at all different kinds of capital because we're in growth mode. We have to bring four vehicles to market by 2025. And if um, I would say that we could do that with $1.6 then I think we would be the best acquisition target for any traditional OEM. So I do think that we would look at effective ways of using our IP, effective ways of using our existing capital, effective ways of maximizing return. We, I do think at some point next year, we will need money for CapEx on pair. And at that point in time, we will look at potential opportunities which are non-dilutive. And if there's an opportunity for us to uh, 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 consolidate our balance sheet, as I said before, we will grab that opportunity. Thanks, Keita. What was the second question? When, when can we go to Vienna? I missed Austria. Yeah, when, when, when are we going to Vienna? Oh. I want to get my, want to start blasting the Falco and the, and the, <laughs> and the Mozart. Uh, hey, it's snowing over there. So no, we will. So I think we're planning here the summer uh, to get over and and uh, get a few few people over uh, to do some test drives. Uh, that's still the plan. Uh, we have our race car driver. Uh, that's uh, Abby Eaton, British risk, uh, female ra race car driver, who is going to come over as well uh, and do some fine-tuning and setup, and hopefully she can uh, take you out and take you out in one and scare you and shake you up a bit because this thing is amazing. All right, I have to say this is that's that's the end. That that's our last clip for the for the show. But I have to say one. First of all, Gita came out like a star. Much respect for her. Um, I love how candid she is. That like to me, candor is very important. Like being upfront and honest and and not playing games is super important. She's funny. She's candid. She's really smart. Um, and she made, for me, she made this whole earnings call super entertaining. Now, the other people who presented and talked, they were also very good. It was as close as a Tesla earnings call as you can get without being a Tesla earnings call, I thought. Um, these are very smart folks. They're all very much informed. You know, the CEO understands how the, the car is built. They're just not, uh, they're not the, <laughs> They're just uh, spouting businessy terms. They're actually like, you know, this is how the car is built. This is what we're doing. I, I really like this. I, 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 and um, it made me like the company Fisker even more. Because I'll be honest, when uh, Fisker first announced like the really high dollar car, the Fisker Automotive, which was way, way a long time ago. Um, it was like, it was like a stupid amount of money. It was like over a hundred thousand dollars. I was like, meh, this is not going to be for me. But that company eventually shut down and he created another company and that eventually shut down. And now he's got Fis this Fisker company and uh, Heinrich Fisker does. And it seems like, um, he's learned a lot from, of lessons from those. Um, uh, we won't call them failures, but we'll call them, uh, uh, we'll just call them lessons because <laughs> I don't want to be rude. Uh, but he's, he seems like he's learned a lot and he's putting that into, uh, the ocean and the pair and this new company. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Now, also, if anybody from Fisker is listening, I would like to go to Austria. I want to be scared. Uh, I want to do a test drive. I want to be terrified. 
Um, also, I'd like to go to Austria because I think Austria is cool. And my wife has a cousin in Salzburg that maybe I could go visit. So Heinrich, when you hear this, please shoot me an email, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Heinrich, at 918digital if you are so inclined. And if you have a dollar burning a hole in your pocket, go to supportkilowatt.com or patreon.com forward slash kilowatt and pledge a dollar and you won't have to listen to the show with ads. All right. Now that I'm done talking to Heinrich and nobody else, Thank you, everybody, for listening to this. I know it was a long episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed putting it together. It was most of my Friday and Thursday putting this thing together. So it was a lot of effort, but it was also a lot of fun. So I really um, thank you very much for making it to the end. Also, uh, email me if you would like to win a Rivion Tumblr, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918Digital. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day and week.